The reason why it takes us a long time to make the decision is this. We don't want to make a bad one. And you don't want to live a life of regrets. And so anytime I make a big decision, I want to make sure it is the best decision for the best outcome for my life. And not only for me, but for whoever else it affects. So the reality is this, is we base our decisions on what? Circumstances and facts. Right? I want the circumstance, what, what am I in? And I want to know the facts. Because if I have the facts, then I believe and you believe and we all believe that we have a big picture and we can make a well-educated decision. Right? If I have all the facts, then I know that I'm going to make the best decision. I can step back. I can sleep on it. I can take some time and say, okay, this is really what I want to do. And when you feel like you have all the facts, you feel what? Secure that you're making the best decision. So I go and, and I have, we have these facts. We believe that the, with the facts in front of us, we make the best decision, and the best decision is going to lead to the best outcome. But here's the problem. The toughest decisions that we make are the ones we don't have all the facts. So if facts give us the whole, let's say it's a, it's a puzzle. So if facts give me the, the outline and, and most of the puzzle, then... If I don't have the facts, all I have is what? A piece of the puzzle. I don't have the full picture. So the absence of facts brings insecurity, uncertainty. Facts bring certainty. So if I have all the facts and I don't have all the facts, then what am I going to do? If I have the absence of facts, then I have to make what? A risky decision. And some of you can make a risk decision all the time. You make it all the time. It's no big deal to you. You like risks. Others of you, it's hard to. But that's with, with the facts. And so here's what we tend to do. If we don't have all the facts and we just have a piece, here's what we like to do. We like to go to our friends. Hey, what do you think about this? Right? So we lean on. We have this weighted decision on us. And we're, we're thinking, okay, how, how I don't have all the facts. Maybe if I, if I lean into this person and they give me their wisdom or they give me their guidance, then maybe I will have a little bit more of the facts. And it could be a trusted person, it could be someone close to you, whoever, you just, you just want their wisdom and their guidance because you want what? More than just the puzzle piece you have in your hand, the fact in your hand. So we tend to do that, gaining all this wisdom, and then what do we do? And when we exhaust all our resources and we think we have all the facts, what do we do? We make the best decision. But here's the, here's the reality. Faith is different. See, faith decisions don't always have the facts, do we? When you make a faith decision, you don't always have the facts. Right? Faith is what? It's what we have hoped for and assured of what we cannot see. So you can't even see, you don't even know, but you're making a decision based on just trust. See, faith is trust that I'm going to trust I don't have all the facts I don't have all the big picture I've got this one piece I've leaned into my my person who I trust but yet I'm still going to step out and I'm still going to make a decision based on what I believe is best even though I don't have all the facts see faith says this I don't have all the facts but I go to the one who has all the facts I have one who knows the circumstance and then I begin to step out and then I begin to take that step of faith and that leap of faith because I'm trusting him and i'm trusting for what he has for my life even though i don't see the big picture he does so that's why i'm going to step out and do that now when you look at the life of jesus here's the thing about jesus and when he was here on this earth 
people were always faced with faith encounters with Jesus. There would be people who would go out and not have all the facts, and they would try to encounter Jesus so he would touch their lives or he would touch the lives of other people. And here's the thing, great thing about Jesus. It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter if you were a disciple or you were part of the crowd. He still touched people. And it didn't matter if you were a Jew. It didn't matter if you were a Gentile. He touched people. And people would come to him and they would reach out. Some people would reach out and just touch, touch him. Some people would just come to him who were not even part Jewish or just, you know, you got the centurion. People would come to him and say, can you do this for me? Can you heal my daughter? Can you heal my son? Can you do this for me? And they would go knowing the risks. They did not have all the facts, but they knew who Jesus was and what he could do. And they felt like, I don't have all the facts, but I know he can change my life. So they would go to him, have a faith encounter, take the risk, and he would touch them. They would take that step of faith and allow Jesus to transform their lives. But here's the thing. It wasn't always for the crowd. And it wasn't always for the Romans. It wasn't always for the It wasn't always for those people. You know that the disciples, when they followed Jesus for three and a half years, there was encounters that they had. They watched Jesus do miracles. They watched him do these things. And what happened when Jesus did these things is he tried to get his disciples' faith to grow. And so they had these encounters where their faith was going to be extended, was going to grow, and like a, kind of like a muscle. He just wanted them to, to encounter what he was doing. And one of these encounters is found in Matthew chapter 14. And in Matthew chapter 14, you can turn there and, and it will be on the screen here in a second. But let me tell you a little bit before we get to, to where, I'm, where I'm headed. In Matthew chapter 14, here's what happens. They're out there on the mountainside. And he's got 5,000 men, not counting women, 5,000 people. And Jesus goes, okay, they come to the disciples go, well, they're hungry, Jesus. Well, they're hungry. Well, what are you going to do? Well, what does Jesus do? Well, just go walk in the crowd and see what food you can find. Talk about a step of faith. Like, are you kidding me? They go and they find the boy who has what? Barely anything. He has two fish and five loaves, right? Okay, so, you know, think about this. Your disciple... He asks you to go in a crowd of 5,000 people and all you can gather is that? Seven items of food? And then not only that, but you watch him. You watch him break it, pray to heaven, and you watch it multiply. I mean, how amazing is that? So you watch it multiply, and then not only that, does everyone get their belly full, but they have leftovers. Are you kidding me? So you're a disciple. Think about this. You're standing there. You watch Jesus take these seven pieces of items, Fill, fill, fill these people's tummies full, and then you've got 12 baskets left over? Like, if that doesn't stretch your faith and watch a miracle happen, I don't know what does. But that is exactly what Jesus does. So he does this miracle right before them, and they're thinking, oh, wow, I mean, this, this is Jesus, this is amazing. So now he, he begins to have them encounter a different type of faith and a lesson of faith for them. And so here's what Jesus does. After the crowd gets full, and we'll read it here in a second, he begins to do something. And Matthew, as an eyewitness, who is there, writes it down. And in Matthew chapter 14, in, in, in verse 22, here's what happens after he feeds the 5,000. And it says this in Matthew chapter 20, uh, 14, 22. It says, immediately, now no, he didn't wait, he didn't say yes, immediately, right? Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And then after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside to pray by them, by himself to pray. Now, so think about this. Jesus gets everyone, 
He says, okay, disciples, you get in the boat, you go across, and I'll meet you on the other side. And so like Jesus does it all, all as he does throughout Scripture is he gets alone away from the crowd, he re-energizes, he gets with the Father, and he begins to pray. And he dismisses this, this whole crowd. But, okay, well, that, that's great, but look what happens. So it says, later that night, he was there alone. So he's up there alone on the, on the, on the mountainside. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, I've been there. It's a huge lake, 11 miles long, eight, eight wide. It's massive. And, and then you've got the mountains that surround the whole area. So he tells him to go in there. Now, here's what you got to understand. When he says a considerable distance, they're three to three and a half miles out. So they're almost halfway. And the rough waters is is not typical for this time. Because what the time is, is this. When they when he says at this conspiracy night, in some of the versions it talks about the fourth watch, the third or fourth watch. And um, anytime you, you read scripture or you read somebody trying to guard somebody, there's watches. And so the third or fourth watch is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So they're out on this boat between 3 in the morning and 6 in the morning. So... Three and six in the morning, it's usually what? Dark. You can't really see. So they're out three and a half miles out, can't see, and the rough waters begin to come because, again, it's not typical for that time in the morning. But they find themselves what? In the midst of a storm. They find themselves, the, 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 the boat just being tossed, the wind coming at them, and they just don't know what to do. So what are they trying to do? They're trying to row back to shore trying to row back to shore in a storm three and a half miles, you're going to go nowhere. So they're, they're trying to do all this. And the disciples, where they find themselves, is in the midst trying to row back. They find themselves in an unexpected place out in the middle of a lake. Now, here's the thing. Who told them to go do it? Jesus. Like, I don't know about you, but if I'm sitting there and I'm struggling trying to roll back three and a half miles back and this guy who just did a miracle is nowhere to be found, I'm thinking, why am I out here? Right? I'm sitting there rowing and struggling. Where is Jesus? Where is this guy who sent me out here? And I don't know about you, but if I was a disciple, I'd be thinking this. I'd be thinking, where is he? And maybe the disciples, I don't know, it doesn't say this, but maybe they were struggling and wondering where Jesus was. Yeah, he says he's on the mountainside, but we're sitting here struggling and rowing, going nowhere. And where is he? And isn't it true that when life hits us and storms hit us, that we begin to question God. That when times are difficult in life, here's what we do. We ask this, what is going on? Why is this happening? And where is God? We just question. And you're thinking, where is God in my time of need? I need you now more than ever. Where are you, God? But here's the thing about the Lord. His timing is not our timing and sometimes when you're through life and you're going through a difficult time he might be trying to teach you something and he didn't show up right away to disciples because maybe he was trying to teach them something and so the story continues and here's what happens it says shortly before dawn jesus went out he was walking on the lake okay so jesus instantly shows this that he has power over the elements and this is a lesson of faith. 
He has power over the elements. So the, the storm's going, the wind's going, and Jesus calmly, I can just see him walking out. I've got this. Like he has power over the wind, the waves. Nothing is, is bothering him. Nothing's hindering him because he's in complete, complete control. And so he gets there and he miraculously is walking on the water. And look at what the disciples say. He's, they say this. When the disciples saw him in verse 26, walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Now you cannot blame them for saying it's a ghost. Remember, it's dark. People don't naturally walk on water, right? So you think, think about this, put yourself there. You're out there rowing, struggling, and you see this kind of this shadow coming, this figure coming, and it's walking on water. What are you thinking? Of course you're going to think it's a ghost. It's, it's a supernatural phenomenon. You're like, what in the world's going on? It's a dis, disembodied spirit. You have no idea. You're just like, oh my gosh, right? And so here's what Jesus does. So oftentimes, he says, take courage. Do you know you don't have to tell someone to take courage if they're brave? Right? So they are feared for their lives. They're afraid. And anytime, here's what the scripture says. Anytime an angel shows up or Jesus shows up in this this situation, the the presence of God is so amazing and they're they're so stunned. and, And what do they do? They're afraid. They're afraid of the presence of the angel, the presence of God. They're afraid. And every time an angel comes to Mary or to Joshua or Gideon or whoever, they're like, what? Do not be afraid. And so when Jesus speaks, he instantly calms them down and says, don't be afraid. I'm in control. Look, I'm walking on the water. Is that enough for you? No. So, okay, so just, I got this. Just hold on a second. And look at Peter's response. Peter says this, Lord, if it's you, Tell me to come to you on the water. Now, let me tell you this. Peter is, in the Gospels, is looked at someone who doesn't think things through. He's impulsive, right? He's just an impulsive guy. You can look throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they write of this guy who's just impulsive, does not think things through. He just acts. He just responds. Well, this is not the case. He wants assurance that he heard Jesus. He wants assurance that it's, in fact, really him. And the thing about Matthew, when he records this, when, when, when Peter does what he does, to Matthew, it's a sign of genuine faith. Even though it doesn't help him survive the crisis, Matthew says it is a genuine faith. Because again, Matthew's there. Matthew's on that boat watching this. And he takes note of Peter's faith. And, and here's what what um, Jesus says in verse 29, he says, come. And what we, we know the story, Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind and he was afraid, he began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Now, Peter, when he takes that first step, it's a demonstration of his faith puts his faith in action. The Lord says, come. He walks out and he begins to walk on water. But just like you and I know, as soon as he gets out there, he begins to look at the wind and the waves 
his anxiety goes, his worry comes, his doubt comes, everything comes to the surface, and what does he do? He begins to sink. See, he takes his eyes and his focus off the one who called him out there. And he begins to look at his circumstances and not the one who holds the circumstances in his hands, the one who has the power over the elements. He begins to look around and, and freak out, and he begins to sink. And see, and, and what you have to understand is this is not a lesson of no faith. This is a lesson of little faith. Now let me sit and say that, and, and let me show you that, because in verse 31 it says, Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. And what does Jesus say? You of no faith? No, he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Why did you not trust me? Why did you not keep your eyes on me? See, here's the thing about Peter. Peter walks out on faith. And, and it's not that he doesn't have any faith, because look, if he didn't have any faith, would he trust Jesus to save him? No. If Peter had no faith, he'd trust himself and his trust his instincts. And what Peter would do is he'd flail in the ocean, or excuse me, in the lake, and then what do we do? He would try to swim back to the boat. But Peter doesn't do that because he has a little faith. Because the guy who called him out, he knows the guy who called him out will rescue him despite what he has done and what he's looked at. So what does he do? He reaches out his hand and says, Lord, save me. And isn't it true that there are times in our lives where we feel like Peter? We feel like we're walking with Jesus, we got our eyes on Jesus, and all of a sudden we begin to look around. And the worries and our doubts and our anxieties and our limitations start to pop up. And as soon as we look down, we begin to sink. And we're not in water, but we sink in life. And we get discouraged. We feel like we can't go on. And isn't it true that there's times where we're like Peter, where sometimes life is so overwhelming it's so overwhelming that it comes over us that all we can do is just reach out our hand and say, Jesus, would you just help me? But there's a lot of times we get into situations where we think we can do it our own. We don't extend our hand. We don't ask the Lord to intervene in our lives. And we begin to swim back to the boat. Here's the thing. If Peter didn't reach out his hand, could God intervene? Yeah, he could have still. But that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to rescue him and pull him out of the water. And see, when we think we can do it on our own, and we think that when we're in a situation and life's, life's difficult and we want to do things on our own, guess what? You have to allow the Lord to intervene. You have to allow him to do things. We have to say, Lord, I can't see this. I can't see a way out. I don't know, but I have faith that you're going to do something. And you reach out your hand and allow the Lord to touch you and intervene and bring the power that he can only do. So the, the story continues. Look at this. I love this part. Verse 32. <clears throat> and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. 33. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now think about this. All they needed was the presence of Jesus. Say that again. All they needed was the presence of Jesus. They were in the midst of the storm unexpected, going nowhere, and as soon as he climbs in the boat, what happens? The storm ceases. See, their problems with the storm stopped as well because all of a sudden they're not focused on the problem, the storm. The person who can fix the problem did it for them. And so what happens is their knowledge of Jesus expands 
They see him for truly who he is and what he can do. And so what do they do? They begin to acknowledge who Jesus truly is. And by their mouths, they begin to confess that he is truly the Son of God. This is just not a man who just came. There is something different about Jesus. And Jesus changed their lives. And changed everybody's lives. And so what they learned that day and what Peter learned, what the disciples learned, what you and I need to learn is this. That fear causes mountains, but faith can move them. See, there's fear causes barriers. You know what fear does? It cripples us. We can't think straight. We can't, we can't move straight. We can't live right. We can't do things. And what fear does is it pushes our faith to the side and it pushes us out. And see, with God, when you have faith in God, he begins to push away your fears, push away your doubts, push away all that thing. And the faith conquers fear. And with the power of God, he begins to intersect and he begins to move and intervene in our lives. Little faith or or not, God begins to move when we have faith and we're extended to him. See, God can move those barriers. He can move those mountains in our lives because of what he can do. Not what we can do, but what he can do. And so he can begin to work in our lives if we allow him, if we trust him and push the fear out and push the anxiety out, push the worry out, the doubt, the fear, the limitations, and allow to do what only he can do in our lives. See, but isn't it true that it is, it's difficult to have faith? Sometimes it's difficult to have faith. And why do I say that? Because it depends on the situation, doesn't it? It depends on what t- type of situation you are in with your faith. But so often or not, here's where we lean towards and here's where we go. So often or not, we are conditioned by fear and not faith. See, so often times or not, here's what we are. We focus on the problems instead of the one who can hold the problems in his hand. So we get conditioned to this stuff. And here's what we like to do when we're faced with a difficult time. What do we say? What are the facts? What do the experts say? Because if I have the facts and I have what the experts say, then I can make a wise decision. Let me tell you this. I believe in the facts. I believe in experts. I believe all that stuff. But here's what I also believe. I also believe that God can do something over the facts. See, what I do is when I'm faced with 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 a problem, here's the thing. I go spiritual first, then I go natural. I do all I can do in the supernatural, then I go to the natural. Because here's the thing. There is the facts, and there is what God can do. And I always go to what God can do first, and then I go to the facts. When I've exhausted my things with, with God, get, let me put it this way. He puts people in our lives, and he gives us wisdom, and he, help, he gives us people to help us. Absolutely. But first I go here. Why? Because God supersedes the natural. At any point, in any given time, God supersedes the natural. What I mean by that is miracles happen. Things happen because God supersedes the natural, and he can. Think about this. Jesus, he comes. He's walking. He's walking into this house. And outside the house, there's, this, there's the wailers, and there's people that are groaning, and, and they're having this funeral for this little girl. The fact is what? She's dead. Oh, she's dead. She's dead. And Jesus goes, what are you talking about? She's asleep. 
See, the facts say she's dead, but what does God say? Well, she's just asleep. And he walks in and he kicks people out and he says, everyone get out of here. And I think it was a faith issue. Those who don't believe, get out. And he calls a couple of his disciples in and what does he do? He touches the little girl and he raises her to life. See, God doesn't see the facts. He sees what he can do. And God can do anything with our little bit of faith when it intersects with our faith and what God can do. It's amazing. Fear can cause those barriers. God can remove them. And I understand this, that faith is an uphill battle, isn't it? Having faith is an uphill battle because some of us, we have a hard time having faith. We look at our circumstances, we look at our situations, and we lose heart, we lose faith, and we want to give up. Thinking, this is just too difficult. I can't do this. This is not what I want to do. This is not what, why? Where are you? What's going on? And you're asking all these questions. Let me tell you this. If you're here in this place and you're having an uphill battle and you're not seeing God move and you wish, I wish God would move. I wish he would do something in my circumstance. I wish he would do something in my situation. Let me tell you this. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Continue to believe what God can do. It's in his timing he'll begin to do that. And maybe for you, an uphill battle looks like this, that God is asking you to take a step uh, in, a, in his direction and you don't know if you really want to take it. And the reason why you don't want to take it is this. It doesn't line up with the facts. It's too difficult. It's out of your comfort zone. And God's asking you to take a step, and you're like, ah, I'm not so sure I can do this. I don't want to do this. This is not what I want to do. This goes against everything I know, everything I believe. But God is saying, I want you to take that step. And the reason why it's an uphill battle is because you would say your, your faith struggles and it's a constant battle each and every day. But here is the good news. That one word from one person can change everything. can change someone's life. Think about that. The one word can change a kid's self-worth. One word can change an adult's self-worth. One word from the right person can change the course of someone's life in a different direction. One word. One positive thing you say to somebody. Now, one word from Jesus changes everything. He tells Peter what? Come. Come. Changed Peter's life, didn't it? But not only did it change Peter's life, but it was Peter's response that changed everything, isn't it? Because Peter didn't stay in the boat. Peter said, okay, Lord, I'm going to come. And see, when God calls you to do something, when he's asking you to take a step, let me tell you this. Your yes changes everything. When you say yes to Jesus, it changes everything. And Jesus might ask you to, to do something that's not normal, and he might ask you to do something that's absurd. But it's still the right thing to do. You still need to take that step of faith. Now, I've had this experience. When God asked me to do something absurd, and not normal. And it's not moving to Odessa, Texas, right? <laughs> it's not that. My wife and I, you know, we have prayer time. And one of these times, first of all, let me say this. As a man, I have this burden and I have this weight to provide for my family. It's in me. 
And look, I'm good with money. Still a burden. Still a weight. Look, I know every scripture there is that God will provide your needs, that he's Jehovah Jireh. I understand that, but I still have this weight. I'm not perfect. So I have this weight, I have this burden, and I've had this for ever since we've been married for 21 years. And I have this burden, and one time in our prayer time, my wife looks at me and goes, well, I think the Lord's telling us to take a bank statement and lay our hands on our bank statement and pray over our finances. And I go, what? Like, okay, hold on. I mean, for seriously, I'm thinking this is absurd. If someone walked into my room right now, they'd be going, what are you doing, you wacko Christian, right? I mean, I'm sitting here praying over a bank statement with my hand on it. praying. Now, look, and it didn't happen right away. It took me days. I didn't do it right away, and she knew. As soon as I said, like, she saw the sheer terror on my face, like, you want me to do this? And here's the thing, though. It took me three, four, five, who knows? It took me a while to do it. And when I did it, here's the thing that happened. It was absurd. It was not normal. But the burden was lifted. And not only was the burden lifted, but God has shown up in tangible ways. I don't worry about money. It's not mine to begin with. It's the Lord's. It's not mine. So the burden was lifted, and the Lord has shown up in tangible ways, and he's done some stuff. But look, if I did not lay my hand on my bank statement, would it ever happen? Probably not. But it's because of my faith and stepping out and saying, Lord, yeah, it's absurd, but I'm going to still do it. See, when God tells you to do something, you do it. I don't care how absurd it is or how abnormal it is. So let's go back to this. What would you do if you were on that boat? What would you do if you were sitting there, standing there, and the Lord says, come? If you were Peter, what would you be thinking? This is absurd. You want me to walk on water? That's not even normal. What do you want me to do? And see, here's the thing about fear. Fear cripples our emotions. It just cripples us. And the faith removes that. And we begin to walk out. So you're, you're going to be faced with that decision. Do I or don't I? What do you want to do? So here's the question I want to ask you before I, I let you go. is this. What area right, in your life that you are being challenged to take a step of faith and trust Jesus? What area in your life today is God saying, I want you to trust me and I want you to step out in faith? What area is that? Because only you know. And maybe for some of you, it's your finances. And I'm not saying do what I did. I'm saying let the Lord do and speak to you and allow him to touch you and tell you what you need to do. And maybe some of you just say, okay, Lord, it's not mine. Maybe you just need to walk and say, okay, Lord, the money's not mine anyways. Because the, the, the Bible says what? The world and everything in it is the Lord's, including money. And I don't know if it's that. I don't know if the Lord's asking you to take a step in relationships. That there's a relationship that needs to be mended or, or, or what, what needs to happen in a certain relationship. Forgiveness. I don't know. Maybe the Lord's asking you. He wants to transform someone's life by the good news of Jesus. But he wants to use you. But you have to take that step of faith and say, okay, I will do what you want me to do. Or maybe he's asking you to have conversations with your family. Faith conversations with your family, your friends, and maybe even your co-workers. 
He's asking you to step out. Or maybe you're making a decision, what am I going to do with my life? And life seems uncertain. And God's saying, just come. Just take that step. Just take that step. See, the thing about faith is, the power of faith is released, and it moves with the application of faith. So power of faith is, is found in the application of faith. Look, Jesus said, come, and Peter came. The power of faith happened when he stepped out and he applied his faith. See, the impossible became what? Possible because of what he did. Because he stepped out and he trusted Jesus. I'm going to trust you with this. And the impossible is made possible. Look, miracles happen when your faith and your obedience intersect with the power of God. When you are faithful, when you believe, when you're obedient to what he wants you to do, and you tap into the power of God, and he begins to work, and the power of God is released. Miracles happen. Things happen. Lives transform. Circumstances transform. And facts are transformed. And God transforms lives when we are like that. And so here today, God and Jesus might be asking you to do something. He might be asking you to step on faith. He might be asking you to pray over your bank statement. I don't know what it is. But when he calls you, I can tell you what's going to happen. Your insecurities your limitations, your doubt, and your worry are going to creep up. Because it did for me. And when you're at that place, you're going to be at a place like this, like Peter. Am I going to choose to be fearful or am I going to choose to be faith-filled? Because I, I have a choice to make. Am I going to see the facts or am I going to go to the one who knows the facts? And I'm going to step out on that faith. We're all faced with that. And the reason why we can step out and believe him for the facts is why. Because fear creates mountains, but faith moves them. And there is nothing that is impossible for the God we serve. So I want to encourage you as we, as we close up, and I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. Look, if you know if the Lord is telling you to do something, you haven't done it. I knew, I was when my wife said this is what the Lord wants us to do, I knew we were supposed to do that. But again, I delayed it. Don't delay what the Lord's asking you to do. If he's asking you to take a step of faith next week, this week, whatever it is, he wants to move in your life and he wants to use you and he wants to transform someone's life, maybe through you. Maybe it's your life he wants to transform. But God wants to do something. So I want you to pray. And I want, to, I want you to just be real with the Lord and say, okay, God, this is what I'm doing. I'm having a, you can be honest with the Lord. Lord, I'm having a hard time with this. But help me to choose faith and help me to not have fear. And be honest with the Lord and allow Him to work in and through your life. So Lord, I, Holy Spirit, I just pray right now. I pray for those of us who are here, Lord. We, we take our arms, we lay them at you, we, we hold them out to you. And we say this, Lord. It is so difficult to trust and it's so difficult. And, and God, you know, we know that you're asking us to do something. So I pray for that person in here, Lord, who is needs to take a step of faith and needs to take a step. They don't have all the facts, but they need to do it. I pray for that individual in here, Lord. You would speak to them and that they would take that faith, that they would take that step and you'd move them in the right direction. Lord, I pray for that person in here who is so worried about their problems, that are so concerned like Peter. We're looking at, at the problems and the worries and the, and the doubt, and, and we're looking at all these limitations of the world, Lord, and our eyes are off of you. I pray for the individual in here, Lord, would you get our vision and our focus back on the one who holds our problems? 
Lord, we just ask that you would just move now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask if there's anything that is hindering us from walking a faith-filled life like you want us to do, would you remove those barriers in the name of Jesus? Would you remove those, Lord? And only you know what it is. God, if someone's struggling with their finances, Lord, I just pray today that they would give them to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, if you want to use someone to bring salvation in their workplace, would you do that today, Lord? We step out and we begin to say, God, we are going to make a difference in this life. So Holy Spirit, work as only you can work. And today, Lord, we proclaim that, yeah, our fear might produce mountains, but we don't live by fear. We live by faith in what you can do. So, Lord, do what only you can do in our lives and in this church today. And go forth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.